out there, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Yearbooking Report podcast. This is for the month of January 2020. I'm Scott Giese. I'm a 21-year representative of Jostin's Yearbooks, also a lifelong journalist since my high school days, formerly in broadcasting, radio, and television. But I've been doing the yearbook thing for the last two decades, trying to show folks about the value of storytelling, which hopefully you're doing in your yearbook already. Welcome. Hope you enjoy this episode where I think you're going to get some good ideas and some good insights on something that very, my experience, very few yearbook staffs do, or shall we say do all that well, and that is simply promotion. Now, normally when you think promotion, you think of one thing. I'm thinking of two things in this interview. The thing that everybody thinks about, of course, is book sales. You know, hey, how can we sell more yearbooks? How can we promote for people to go out and buy a book? That's important, of course. But along with that, maybe just promotion of the yearbook staff, letting everybody know what you're doing. The great majority of yearbook staffs out there really don't let people know that. They kind of work in secret. If they have a class period or just a club or whatever it is, they're kind of quiet. They don't let people know what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, surprise, the yearbook comes out. And in recent years especially, a lot of students kind of shrug their shoulders, so I don't care. And if we don't let folks know during the school year what the yearbook staff is doing, all of the hard work they're putting in, and if you're a yearbook person, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? There is a lot of work that goes into making a terrific yearbook, even a call it a so-so yearbook. There's a lot of work there. And most yearbook staffs do this absolutely in secret. Never promote anything. Don't really do any storytelling during the year. It's just sort of a surprise, aha moment. And hopefully by listening to this interview, if that's you, we're going to get you to start thinking a little differently. In this interview, we're going to talk with our friend Rebecca Pollard. Rebecca is the outstanding yearbook advisor at Lovejoy High School in Texas, the great state of Texas, where I tell you what, they do a lot of great yearbooks in Texas. I'm from Pennsylvania myself. Uh, every time I hear about great yearbooks, it seems like Texas is always in the conversation. And Rebecca is one of those folks who does just an outstanding, outstanding effort at Lovejoy High. And we're going to get some great advice and some insights on what they do at Lovejoy, what she's done, and why it's important. And it is vitally important. Here we're midway through the year. It's not too late to start doing some stuff. So let's see if we can get you going. Now, coming up in a bit, we're going to meet Rebecca. She's going to tell us something about herself, something about her background, something involving a bank. Yeah, get ready for that. Not everybody goes right into education, folks. And some other great information. So let's meet Rebecca. Well, Rebecca, first off, welcome to the Yearbooking Report. I'm glad you could take some time to be with us today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I actually listen regularly, and it's an honor to uh, share and grow with you. Oh, gee, Garsh. I feel like Goofy from Disney. Oh, Garsh. Wow, she listens. Yay! Thank you, thank you. I'm anyway. Nerd. I listen to the podcast for sure. Oh, man. Okay. I'm blushing. Luckily, I'm not on camera, so that's good. Um, well, let's start talking about yourself because you are an outstanding yearbook advisor from the great state of Texas. 
but for folks who perhaps you know have don't know or so on talk about yourself your background what do you teach how long have you been your book advisor maybe some information about your school and so on go right ahead sure um I have been doing this crazy job for 20 years. This is my 20th year now. Um, I've actually advised uh, publications for 19 of those years. The first year was a foot in the door job. Um, and then that was at a middle school. And then after that, I was approached to teach it and teach and advise a yearbook at my alma mater uh, that I graduated high school from. And I was there for a couple years and then uh, got approached to uh, take over a program at one of our newer high schools, and this was in the first district I taught in. And then after that, I jumped districts and, and uh, another one for about eight years, and then I jumped over to Lovejoy. <laughs> so it's been kind of a, let's say, a, a winding path of um, experiencing the diversity that comes with each school and how to advise those publications. In all, uh, I've been at five schools and I've advised all types of media. Uh, your book is my favorite and uh, has been the one that's been constant through all of the jobs that I've had. And um, it's been fun. It's been fun to uh, watch the demographics and um, the economic situations change from school to school. And that definitely has kept me and consequently my staff uh, on their toes in order to sell and to market and to uh, really get the story out there that's meaningful to the community. Now, I'm just curious. I visited Texas, obviously, um, on a number of occasions. You, you sort of mentioned demographics there. First, again, exactly where is your school? And I'm thinking close to Dallas, close to Austin, close to Houston, and so on. And what are the demographics of your neighborhood? Because when I think Texas, I guess I, I see a, a state with all kinds of different people. I'm from central and northern Pennsylvania, which is pretty much the same. There's not a lot of demographic difference there. What is your place like? Oh, man. Um, well, I will say Texas is quite the eclectic group. Um, you have your small rural areas that have a lot of K through 12 type. Uh, um, but they're in, in that more urban situations, uh, you definitely have um, all kinds. I mean, diversity is wide ranging. Um, you've got uh, quite a lot of economic situations going on. Uh, one of the schools that I taught at, um, the free and reduced lunch percentage was around 40%. Um, right now, I'm teaching at a school where the free and reduced lunch is uh, 1%. Um, I'm actually in the Dallas area, and uh, I'm northeast of Dallas, and most of Dallas is comprised of a lot of suburbs. Uh, there is quite the big uh, central hub of the uh, city, but then there's a lot of suburbs on the outside, and uh, that is where I'm tucked away. Um, I am just east of Allen for people who know the Dallas area. Uh, the little town that our school is in is Lucas, um, which is just east of Allen, like I said. But what makes up our population is kind of a tri-area of um, some kids come from Allen, some from Fairview, and some from Lucas, which are all three uh, suburbs of Dallas. And um, we, I mean, we're really lucky in the fact that our situation has um, a economic situation where demographic-wise, um, the kids want the book, the parents want the book. Um, our, our buy rate is roughly around 84%. And um, that is one of those things that is, uh, we, 
I guess my staff and I feel very fortunate. Wait, wait a minute. Did I hear that right? 84% is your yearbook. 84% of the population of your school buys a book. Is that right? Yeah, it's insane. Okay, I wish I was had that kind of insanity. Holy mackerel. And you mentioned that you've been doing what I call your booking, apparently as long as I have, about two decades now. I mean, it, when you were in high school and college, is this what you wanted to do? I mean, did, did you do these sorts of things then? I found this career totally by accident. <laughs> um, when I was in high school, I did take my freshman journalism class, and then uh, I was on the newspaper staff my sophomore, junior, and senior year. I love and adore my uh, former advisor. In fact, him and I still keep in touch to this day. Um, we, we actually meet for dinner quite a bit. Uh, I love him and he's been such a great mentor to me. And he actually was my mentor through college as well. And uh, when this opportunity presented itself, my dad was in education and um, he was in administration at the time when I got out of college. And I, uh, at the time I was working for a bank and um, that's what got me through college. But then uh, what ended up happening was um, I was bored <laughs> and my dad just kept pushing me and because my degree is in communications and he just kept pushing me. He said, you really got to try teaching. I just think it's going to be for you. I think you're going to really love it. And as any uh, young 20 something would uh, resist the parent. And um, I, I was being groomed for management uh, with the bank that I was working at at the time, and I just hated it. Um, I, was, I was quoting corporate law all day long to customers who were really unhappy um, or, you know, just hand, helping them with, with just, you know, the black and white bullet points of finance. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't for me. And so I finally hit a point where I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a try. And. Uh, I interviewed at this, like I said, at the school district that I was a, a student in and immediately got the job and actually got to replace a, a teacher of mine uh, from the middle school that I went to and then then went into um, advising yearbooks. And uh, the funny part about how I got my first job was uh, for advising yearbook was um, my newspaper editor in chief, uh, see, he graduated my junior year of high school. He was actually uh, he, the one who took over for uh, my former advisor, and he uh, was doing newspaper and yearbook and lit mag, um, as well as journalism at the time. And um, he reached out and, and knew who I was and, you know, remembered me from high school and, and was like, look, I need help. I can't do all this myself. And um, I've talked to my principal, and I think that this will be a really great fit if you're interested to come on over and advise your book. Well, I advise newspaper, and uh, the rest is history. So that's all it took. That's very interesting. You know, I've talked to a lot of people that were not, how do I put this? They were not journalism nerds or yearbook nerds or those terms early on. They just sort of found their way into it. Now, me, I've been since I was in high school, so call me a nerd. I don't know. But it's interesting. A lot of folks, I think, have had a similar path that you described. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but uh, maybe not the bank part. We'll leave the bank part out. Now, for Justin's advisors especially, you may recognize Rebecca Pollard's name because, Rebecca, you've done some things that are on Yearbook Avenue for folks to check out. And with our Grow Your No series, I think you had a little involvement there. Talk about some of that. 
So uh, Jostens has been near and dear to me all uh, all of my career. Um, they have been the one and only company that I've ever worked with. Um, I get to work with Tread Sheffield and Rod Evans and the whole Sheffield team. Um, they're just amazing to work with. I've been really fortunate. Uh, and they've really helped nurture me into um, this position that I'm in now. Um, and I would say were the ones that kind of got me to connected with everybody in Jostens as well. Um, so there's a lot of Jostens people who are near and dear to my heart. Um, and in that process, I've gotten to know a few other people, um, either in corporate or the creative management team or, um, gosh, at the plant. I mean, you name it, there's been a lot of people that have come along my way and, um, asked for, you know, something like, hey, you know, could you help with this or, or, or whatnot, um, and then me to them. And um, one of the big things that I worked with, uh, I would say, is uh, I was approached to do some of the, the thematic and modular concepts that are on Yearbook Avenue now. Uh, so anybody who designs with YTO or Year Tech Online, one of the themes, uh, in a like theme in a box, so to speak, where like everything's already pre-made for maybe um, a, an advisor who has a lot more uh, to do than to build a, a theme from scratch <laughs> with their kids. Uh, they can take one of those ready-made themes and uh, use it. And one of those I designed, uh, the one that's called That Moment When. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still called that, but I did look in the book um, just this summer uh, when we get when we got the new yearbook kit, and I saw it's still there. <laughs> so, um, and it's really fun to see it come alive in a yearbook and see how other people take it and uh, make it their own, uh, which is really cool. And then um, for the grow you grow your know, uh, Matt Laporte, who's the advisor um, at Southwest uh, Technical. Career Academy in uh, Las Vegas, he reached out to me and wanted uh, my input in regards to some of the marketing stuff uh, that went into that whole entire uh, curriculum. And so I, I sent him several photos and we talked a bit about how I did marketing at my previous school, uh, which was Heritage High School in Frisco. And um, at Heritage, one of the things that we had going on there it was a, it was a 20% free and reduced lunch um, school. But what was interesting about Heritage is the culture melting pot that it was. And um, because it was so diverse, we had to really work at getting the population to understand that there's value in what we are doing and to also make them part of the experience. And because of that, our buy rate was roughly around 80%. And we had to work at that. Um, when I first started there, it was um, a uh, two grade level school uh, when we opened the school in 2009. And then it grew into a four year uh, campus. And then consequently, uh, we were bulging at the seams uh, with 2,000, 21, 2,200 kids at one point. And then Frisco would open a new school and then it would kind of relieve uh, some of that growth. But meanwhile, the demographics were constantly changing and we were constantly having this target move in order to get sales and we had to get really creative and a lot of that marketing um, and the, the ideas and the innovation behind it really came because of uh, that history that was happening there at Heritage. We'll get back to more with Outstanding Advisor Rebecca Pollard from Texas coming up in just a moment as we talk more about yearbook promotion, not just sales, 
but what your staff is doing. Let everybody know the great work that you're doing this year. We'll have more on that coming up in just a bit. Now that calendar clock is really ticking now. We've mentioned it here before about the annual Jostens Photo Contest. Now hopefully if you're a Jostens school you've done this already or you've been doing it already. You've got somebody who's entered, maybe some folks who've entered. Uh, a lot of folks have been waiting. They've been kind of sitting on their hands. Well, the March 1st deadline is now coming up fast. If you're going to enter, if you're an outstanding high school or middle school student and you've taken even one terrific photo, why not enter? Go to the website, jostensphotocontest.com or jostens.com slash photocontest. Either one works. Notice the rules in there. Notice the different categories in there. And be sure to enter. Make sure that you download the rules. Also, the release form. Remember, if you take pictures of other people and you enter them in a contest, you're supposed to go get their permission first. So make sure you get that release form. Read over the rules just briefly. Not that tough. Again, we got a great slate of prizes and all the different categories that are involved. This is all on the website. So if you just haven't done it yet, it takes moments to go on, register yourself, and then start submitting images. So come on, let's get this done, huh? JostensPhotoContest.com. We're looking for a record this year. More uh, photos enter than ever before from hopefully all over the country, not the same schools over and over. No offense to them, they do a great job. But how about some other places? So if that's you, you think, hey, I've taken a really awesome picture here this year, why not enter? Do it today, jostensphotocontest.com. Right now, let's get back to our interview with Rebecca Pollard as we talk more about yearbook promotion. And also, you and I are both members of JEA, Journalism Education Association, and I noticed that you, you have some special doings with JEA as well. What do you do for them? Um, so, Journalism Education Association is um, the national support, if you will, for people like us. Um, if you are a new advisor in this business, um, if you join JEA, what you get from them is uh, so much more than just a membership. And uh, I have been a, a proud part of the leadership team for, uh, I'm actually in my sixth year now of uh, being the Journalist of the Year uh, Committee Chair. So basically what I do is I run the national contest for Journalists of the Year. And every year we name a National Journalist of the Year. But then I also um, help with the Inspiring Young Journalist uh, contest, which is at the middle school level. And um, I get to help facilitate both of those. But um, in the middle of all of that, I've been I've been lucky to be a part of a lot of stuff. We we do a partner outreach where we work with us work with schools that um, may not be able to afford sending kids to like a convention or things like that. Um, I've also been able to work with schools uh, online and we do like virtual uh, workshops. Um, I've done a lot of writing as far as like for uh, journalism education uh, today um, or CJEP and communication journalism education today is the technical title. Uh, and yeah, I just I really love contributing back and giving because you know what? There is no way I would be here today without the support of so many people. And um because of that, I want to make sure that I can pay it forward to others. All right. Shameless plug moment. I've done this before. Uh, for advisors out there, join JEA. All right. Just go to their website, jea.org, 
and it is very inexpensively priced for an annual membership for an advisor, and you get so much from that little bit of money that you would pay every year. Advice, tips, support, uh, pat on the back, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, so if you have any I'm, kind I'm of so sorry to interrupt you. Um, I totally forgot to mention about the curriculum. Um, so I was, you know, part of the curriculum committee for a while, and you get curriculum ready-made for you. Um, if you're struggling and don't even know where to start on how to teach a certain topic, it's there for you. And I was about to mention curriculum, so you took the word right out of my mouth there. Uh, so especially for Justin's advisors, again, folks, hopefully you know this already. You've got the curriculum on digital classroom. And if you're a JEA member, uh, the JEA curriculum, Rebecca, is only a few years old. I mean, we're not talking something. They started this project not that long ago. And it's just a tremendous resource, not just for yearbook people, for newspaper people, for broadcast people, uh, maybe for, lit I think, literary magazine uh, people and so on. Folks, there's a lot of good stuff there. So free plug for JEA again, JEA.org. Go there and, and join. You, you will not be disappointed. All right. Now, Rebecca, the main reason we're talking today is about promotion. And I don't know. I, I, in my journeys doing this feature and some other stuff, maybe Texas and Pennsylvania really are different. In Pennsylvania, my experience is that most schools do, uh, I'm just going to, a poor job, I'll just say it out loud, a poor job with yearbook promotion, or they don't do yearbook promotion at all. Now, it sounds like you are the exact opposite. You're at the other end of the spectrum. So let's start with an open-ended question here. When it comes to your yearbook work, why is promotion important? Why should people really invest time into doing something with this? Well, um, I will tell you that um, anybody who invests any time, any time into promotion is the minority. Um, just talking with other advisors and other staffs across the country, um, you know, it really is, is, is looked at as one more thing. Um, we're so full. We have so much on our plates day in and day out um, that sometimes the promotion or the marketing piece is just like, oh, I don't have time for that, too. Um, and what I've learned over time is um, sometimes when you take that risk, of putting in a little more time or take that risk of investing into some kind of business plan that your staff can contribute just a little bit, not, not a ton. But if everybody can, can all just invest a little bitty part, it can pay off big. And uh, I just, man, if all we're going to do is come to work and come to school every day and go into our media room and huddle around a computer or, you know, be the one behind the camera, that faceless person behind the camera. And uh, we just go in and we kind of huddle around and everything magically appears. In my opinion, what I've learned is that the student body thinks that this just magically appears. And it's our job to make sure that they understand that what we do is a lot of work and there's a lot of planning and there's a lot of method that goes into it. There's so much to be learned with skill building for the kids, but at the same time, there's so much to be learned about self-promotion and for the kids to understand that they have to market their homework, essentially. Um, and, and with that comes 
some storytelling and some engagement. And it, and it doesn't have to be another thing. It can be this super awesome um, connection that you make with your community. Um, my most favorite, so actually let me say this. Um, so I've been at Lovejoy, this is my third year, but prior to Lovejoy when I was at Heritage, um, my favorite thing, uh, you know, towards the end of my tenure at Heritage that I loved is that we would have kids come into our room in August and they would, and, and they have nothing to do with our staff. Um, they just know who we are and they felt comfortable enough to come in and say, oh my gosh, what is the theme this year? Like, what have you guys decided that you're going to uh, put together for the school this year? Like they're fired up about it. And to me, there is no better compliment than, um, somebody who's not on our staff who wants to know about what we're doing. And um, I just don't believe in keeping it a secret. If you do, I think your sales will be the, you know, have an outcome on that. There will be a cause and effect. And that's something to worry about if you're not. All right. Now, one reason we're talking to you, Rebecca, we're looking for ideas, you know, for those folks out there that they really haven't done much with promotion or they've thought about it, but eh, I don't think so. We're looking for ideas and we've sort of morphed into it. So let's keep going. I kind of break this into two parts. There's the yearbook sales promotion idea. In other words, how do we promote the book so hopefully more people go out and buy one? I'm going to leave that for second. You just sort of touched on the first one, which I sort of call staff promotion. And you mentioned it earlier. At too many schools out there, my observation, at too many schools out there, the yearbook staff goes into some room quietly, and they're secretly putting the book together, and nobody knows what they're doing until suddenly, ta-da, the book comes out in May or June or whenever it comes out. And nobody has any idea during the school year, what are those guys doing back there? So I want to start with staff promotion. First off, you know, why is it important all year long for the yearbook staff to promote what they're doing and maybe some ideas of what your group does all year long to help promote all the good work that you're doing? Sure. So going back to that whole um, everybody thinks that it's magical at the end of the year that this book just kind of makes itself. Um, one of the things that uh, my kids... <laughs> and I would say admittedly that I'm kind of the driving force behind it, that um, I hate it when people think that this thing is just so easy to pull off. <laughs> it's not. It takes 365 days to get it to the point where it is in the hands of our customers. And um, a couple of things that we do, uh, number one, I would say, to me, this is a culture thing. This isn't about marketing. This isn't about sales. This isn't about just to drive sales. Like we need to, to take our zoom lens and zoom out and to really think about this from several standpoints. One, if you self promote, then everybody's going to see the hard work. They're going to appreciate the hard work that goes into it. If you are able to share your experience with your population, um, not only that, but people start to understand, like if there's a mistake that's made, they understand it from the standpoint of, oh, well, this wasn't really easy to put together. I mean, gosh, we're all human. Um, there's that standpoint. But then also on top of that, um, it gets people excited about what you're doing um, and they get to be a part of that process. And I think with any product on the market, anytime a consumer can be part of the process, it's like they they have that special VIP treatment. And I think that that is, is something to behold. And any way that you can important. Um, 
one of the ways that we try to really bring our community into our story is um, we ask them for their feedback. Uh, when we're in the theme building process and we're trying to figure out like what is our theme going to be, um, we don't just stop at the people around the table doing the decision making. We're also looking at um, several people on the outside uh, looking in and, and explaining to them like, you know, here's what we're thinking about a theme. This is what we're thinking about, you know, putting on the cover. This is what we think it might look like. Um, what do you think about that? What's your opinion? So I think the first part is, is getting and not just in your theme process, but what about on a spread or a story topic that you're taking on? Um, one of the things that my kids took on last year is um, they did this collaborative effort on um, like what goes in your car. Um, you know, the teenager their car is like their, you know, their safe space, their glory space, so to speak. They are so proud of being able to drive around town. It's that, you know, that notch of independence that they so wanted for so long. And so one of the things that they, that my kids did is that they really like went around and, and tried to figure out exactly what was important in people's car. And, um, you know, one of the things that we got out of that that was really fun is that everybody kept talking about going to Sonic, the local drive-in fast food place um, for their happy hour drinks. So they wanted to make sure that that was a part of it. And that was one of those things that came from actually talking with our student population, not from the people on the inside of the media room. Um, another thing that I think is really important is to, um, and this is, this is just me talking. I mean, if I was, you know, in a professional media setting, I would definitely not allow people to preview our work before we publish it. But because I work with teenagers and because this is a learning lab, first and foremost, um, and because I really care about what our community thinks, one of the other things that we do is we actually put on um, the back of some flyers our spreads and we get those spreads and their drafts um, and we get those spreads out in the hands of our population. Everybody who's covered on that spread gets to see a photocopy of it. Um, and on the front of it, it says, you know, congratulations, now look what you've done. This is not an, a new idea. This is, this is something that's actually been in, in Jocelyn's circles for quite a bit of time. Um, and I think I originally got it from John Kutzinger um, that, you know, if you make the flyer and you put congratulations on the front and then down towards the bottom, we have a place where it says, um, yay, you purchased your book or, oh, no, our records show that you have not purchased and then we give the sales information and when's the date before the next price cutoff and things like that. Um, we give those flyers out and then on the back of it, they see how they've been covered. And I think it's really important to get that out in the hands of your consumers. Um, if they don't know that they're being covered, then why would they want your product? Um, research has shown that it, that kids want to see themselves and see their friends in the book. And if they don't know that they're in there other than their portrait, for some kids, that's just not enough to buy. So we've got to make it worth their time in order to buy it. Um, but I will say on the other side of that standpoint, I love those flyers. I cannot tell you how many things we have caught. Um, people have been misquoted or, um, you know, misspelled somebody's name or we got a fact wrong or those types of things that, um, Scott, I'll tell you when we do these flyers at the end of the year, we have hardly any complaining over the book um, because
been previewed in some shape, form, or fashion, and everybody's hyped about it. They know it's coming and they're ready to see it. So I would say that's kind of the first part of self-promotion. We'll get back to our final segment with advisor Rebecca Pollard of Texas on good yearbook promotion in just a bit. Make sure you listen to this last segment because Rebecca really touches on some things that I really believe in uh, on the importance of your yearbook to your school and how it can be a real culture changer inside your building. Yearbook has that power. It's kind of a unique power if you think about it maybe in your school and Rebecca is going to talk more about that and some advice for maybe rookie or second year advisors because Rebecca has been doing this terrifically for a long time. Stay tuned for more of that. All right now we have to talk about this unfortunately and it's the issue that comes up every year. Seems to be getting worse maybe. Hand gestures. Now you know what I'm talking about. Everybody does hand gestures right? Thumbs up is a hand gesture. Number one is a hand gesture. Another finger all by itself is a hand gesture. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that one. Well, we need to watch out for these in your books, uh, including some that may seem innocent that unfortunately aren't anymore. Uh, over the past year, especially, we've had this scenario with a hand gesture that used to be called the circle game. And that's what it was. It was kind of a game. Unfortunately, a rather well-known hate group has now taken over this hand gesture as one of their own. And so now it's their hand gesture. If you do this one now, all of a sudden you're said to be a white supremacist. Well, a lot of folks don't even realize that. But the thing is, we need to stay away from hand gestures. There was at least one book, I believe, in the Chicago area last spring. The school had to reprint the entire book at significant expense because there were several images in the book where people were doing the circle game, which now belongs to this other group. So the simple thought here, folks, is, and this is usually with group photos, just tell people, hey, no hand gestures, none at all, no thumbs up, no number one, nothing. Just be yourselves. Because when you think about it, when people are just being themselves during the day, they're not doing hand gestures, are they? No, not at all. Just no hand gestures at all. Now, I've been at this over two decades. I realize there are going to be some students, they're going to try to sneak it in anyway, trying to be funny, trying to be cute, because they'll think this will make the yearbook and they'll laugh about it for years, not realizing how stupid they look, frankly, when they pull off this kind of baloney. But tell your groups, hey, come on, no hand gestures. And then if somebody decides, well, I'm going to try to sneak one in anyway, and you catch them, you just kind of let your administrator know, you know, so-and-so here, we told them not to do that, and here's what they did, show them the picture, and then let the administrator handle it. That's sort of what they do, all right? No hand gestures. Do not repeat that mistake of the school I mentioned that had to end up reprinting their entire book for, I don't know, tens of thousands of dollars. What a waste of money because of goofiness by a few people. All right, so when you go out from here to the end, and then, of course, for the future, tell them, no hand gestures, please, and then make sure that they do. Can we fix pictures later? Of course we can. A little bit of expense there. We can do some airbrushing, but the bottom line is, let's not go there. Tell your folks, come on, no hand gestures. Save yourself a lot of heartache later. 
Right now, let's get back to our last segment on good school promotion. Get ready for some great ideas from advisor Rebecca Pollard. You mentioned the word culture. And for those folks listening that maybe do something with our Jostin's Renaissance effort, or at least you've heard of it, our Renaissance effort is all about culture and climate. And Rebecca, I know I've had this conversation over the years with some yearbook folks, to, and I've said, your yearbook could be a positive force for culture in your school. And I'll get head nods like, no, no, not really, not really. Would you kind of, it work? yes, talk about that. The, your yearbook could be a culture changer in the school. Why and how does that work? I think that it really helps to ground the yearbook staff in a positive, working, independent relationship with the administration. Um, one of the things that I have my kids do is um, when it's time, we've decided what our theme's going to be, and we've kind of figured out the look, and we've kind of started to prototype it out. You know, I have my kids go to our administration and show them. Um, let, let's get them hyped in this too. Um, at my previous school, uh, one of the funny things that my principal would always do is he wanted to do the formal, you know, show me what your theme is. And of course the kids would always take these calculated risks that they weren't really sure if he was gonna go for it. And not that they ever needed his approval. What was funny is, is that they respected him so much and they loved him that they wanted him to buy in. He was actually part of our staff. Um, he was an honorary staff member. Our school resource officer was an honorary staff member. Um, we, we did a marketing thing where um, we would go around and surprise kids with these gift cards. Um, and one of the times that uh, we did it, our school resource officer uh, was in our room and he's in his full uniform and it was time for us to go surprise some kid and uh, we, you know, take take photos of it and uh, post it on social media. But it was funny because our school resource officer was like, oh, I want to go. Can I do, can I go with y'all? And we're like, yeah, you could go with us. So anyway, so we went and surprised this kid in class <laughs> and the SRO pulled, <laughs> pulled him out. And we didn't do it outside in the hall. We actually do it in the classroom because the key is, is to do this in front of peers. But anyways, um, it was just really funny because, you know, the school resource officer scared the kid because he thought he was in trouble. But then turns out that, you know, he got this um, gift card and it was because he bought his yearbook. And anyways, long story short, what was so funny about it, we're present, we're visible, we're in the hall. Um, kids see us all the time. And um, it's a good recruiting tool, by the way, um, to do this. And, you know, when the kids see us out having fun and doing uh, all these really neat, innovative things, they want to be a part of that. And um, I love giving these kids a place to belong. Um, it's kind of my first and foremost reason for doing this is just to give them a safe place to belong. And, um, hey, you pick up some journalistic skills along the way and look, I mean, your life can change. Um, and in the middle of all that culture building and um, the relationships that you build on campus, what's funny is, is that then all of a sudden these kids become an authoritative source and all the news that's happening in between. Um, my kids were asked all the time for photography from coaches and whatnot because they knew that they took good photography and they had a slideshow at the end of the year um, for their, you know, their athletic banquets and whatnot. And 
you know, that is a, an, a tedious task to take on. But at the same time, we were honored that people looked at us as um, an expert in our field um, within, among our campus. Um, we had a lot of people ask us questions and we started to teach others about skills. Like, for example, there was one particular coach who wasn't sure how to film something. And I was able to set him down with one of my students um, and they were able to have a collaborative meeting where my students showed him how to film something properly. Um, and then it just took off. That particular coach was able to show another person how to film properly about whatever it was that they're trying to package. Um, gosh, um, you know, professional development. Um, I've had kids who've come in, administrators have asked my kids to come in and teach some of the skills to the teachers um, for their technology use in classes. Um, the list goes on and on. I mean, you become a meaningful part of your campus. People will respect you for what you're doing and, and um, respect the kids um, for what they're contributing and doing. And it just becomes a living, breathing entity within the school. Um, yeah, I, it's just, there's just nothing like it. Now, folks, this may seem like a no-brainer, but yes, the school resource officer needs to be your friend, mm -hmm. all right? Or call them the police officer or whatever you want to call the person. They need to be your friend. All right, enough of that. Um, Rebecca, social media. Now, this is the one that still drives me a little crazy because I think I, I, I don't, I've never done a survey, but the majority of yearbook staffs do little to nothing with social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, okay? And I know you folks do. So how about some ideas? How does your yearbook staff utilize social media all year long as part of your yearbooking effort? So um, currently at the school I'm at, I've got to tell you, um, I need to practice a bit of what I preach. One of the things that I have learned since I've been at Lovejoy is that the yearbook social media handles have kind of gone by the wayside so just as a tease, that's coming soon for Lovejoy. Um, we have a very solid top-notch uh, news program at our school in addition to the yearbook program. And um, they do such a great job. It's been kind of a challenge, uh, to be honest, to figure out exactly where our yearbook social media fits into all of this. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to speak on my previous school, but... Um, it's coming uh, for our school and what we're trying to do. That will definitely happen. I will tell you some concrete advice um, that has worked for me. And that was to build a plan, uh, make it a business plan, just like you would build your ladder for your yearbook and you set your deadlines. You need to build a social media plan. And what social media brings to your customers is, again, being part of the experience, building that culture, um, it's so much more than yet another way to let people know, you know, this is how you buy your book or don't forget books are on sale. Um, I definitely feel that it's way more than that. Um, it, it is a way to bring people in and generate buzz. Um, I am a firm believer in just generating buzz. Don't make it about marketing. Just generate buzz. Be Get those people as part of your experience. And then the rest will take care of itself. Your sales will start to escalate. Um, and the good news in all of this is, is that if you're actually just doing your regular job of um, shooting some photos, writing and putting that on social media, um, you're, you're storytelling. Um, you're being a journalist, which is what we all should be doing. And in the process, 
you're engaging with your audience and then all of a sudden you don't have to work as hard at those sales that you're you're wanting so desperately uh you can actually make it work for you because you start to formulate long-term customers um, when you're engaging with them because it's a way more meaningful experience than them to see the 18th ad that says yearbooks now on sale. Um, that doesn't work. Um, it's, it's a good reminder. Um, it's good enforcement, but it's definitely not the way that you want to effectively market to your customers. So you got to figure out different things. I will tell you one of the things that my staff and I did um, is that we, going back to that business plan, we sat down every summer and um, made social media that one more thing in the summer because at that point we could tackle it. It was something that we could live with. Um, eventually, social media kind of became its own entity. Uh, we had somebody in charge of it, and they were the ones doing all the posting. Um, they also, one year we had it where we had it delegated. Everybody on staff at one point was delegated to post online. Uh, which was probably the most successful, I will say, is when everybody has a little part in it. It does seem to to work well. But then um, on top of it, we came up with just ideas on how, you know, the different types of stories we could tell. Like um, you could have on Mondays, you're telling um, certain stories behind the scenes uh, in the yearbook room. On Tuesday, we could have maybe um, some reporting from any uh, school events that happened over the weekend, maybe a, a volleyball game or a basketball game or whatnot, and maybe just a photo or two from that and um, a little bit of reporting from the scene of what happened at that game or whatnot. I, I highly encourage people to take their readers where they can't always go. Um, and here's the bonus. When you shoot or cover something that is a storytelling aspect, that is really quality work and you do a really good job on social media, then you can literally take that and plug it into your yearbook and use it as coverage there too. Because at the same time, all this content doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like the second job. It can be in addition to what you're already doing. I'm a big advocate of work smarter, not harder. So um, maybe each day of the week you, you decide what it's going to be. Maybe you're only posting once a month or once a week. Um, just bite off whatever is attainable for your staff. Don't make it like you have to go from zero to 80 right now. Um, it can be, you know, a little bit at a time. Just make it attainable so that way your staff will rise and everybody can see the possibilities and grow from there. Rebecca, that's some great advice. Uh, I really appreciate that. Uh would say I've never been to your school, obviously, but it sounds like you have a very well-developed student media program at your school. A lot of schools don't even have a newspaper anymore. You know that that went if they did it at all, it went away. And if they have broadcasting, it's the daily announcements, which is usually well for lunch today we're having pizza, and the chess club is meeting at three o'clock today. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody pays attention. Nobody you know like snore. But it sounds like your school does a lot of cool stuff. So someday I'm going to get to Texas. I got to come visit your school. That would be really neat. Absolutely. All right, one more. Welcome anytime. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> one more question, and it's a popular question I like to ask every veteran advisor that I talk to. I'm going to assume 
that we have a rookie advisor listening, maybe second year or something like that. Now, you kind of touched on this a moment ago. You don't go from zero to 80 in like one year. No, folks, don't even try. You'll drive yourself insane. But Rebecca, for those rookie folks out there, along with that, what are some other pieces of advice to help them really start to improve their yearbooking program? Wow, that is a really layered question, but I'll try my best. <laughs> um, I so when it comes to marketing, you got to do something. You you can't ignore the fact that we got to get the word out to the community. I would say the very first place to start when it comes to just marketing in general is to find who the keeper is of the emailing to parents or the keeper of the um, the more prominent social media accounts on your campus, or uh, maybe it just happens to be you're mailing something home. And, and what's the way to do that? I would definitely make sure that you're communicating directly from the school. Jostens does a really great job about marketing to, to your customers and giving you opportunities for them to take that away from you, which is nice. But in, in a lot of since that might still not be enough. Um, you definitely need to reach the parents directly from the school. Make sure that your principal is the mouthpiece for um, extending the message that you're trying to send. Um, a lot of times when I want something done on campus, I actually ask my principal, hey, would you mind putting this in the parent email? Or hey, the weekly parent email that we have go out every week. Or hey, um, can you let the faculty know that I really need XYZ this week while we're on deadline? Or um, we have, um, like I told you about our prominent social media account um, accounts from our news news program. You know, a lot of times I will give them the information to tweet out, and they love it when I do that because usually it's already concise, already followed AP style. Um, they, you know, they know that they can count on the information that's coming from the yearbook program is pretty reliable, so it's not something that they have to work at. Um, I would say, you know, find those people on your campus and start networking with them and making sure that you're getting the information um, about each sales bracket. Like if you have a tier set of your prices, you know, make sure at least one email is going out about the early sell, maybe one when the price is going up, and then another one close to your deadline uh, before your inventory count has to be into Jostens. Like those things are really important to do just to make sure um, – the communications getting out to parents. Um, I want to be able to say to any parent at the end of the year when they're like, well, I didn't know. I want to make sure that I can back up that, well, we tried this, we tried this, we tried this. And I, and I do methodically think of multiple ways to reach parents. Um, I know some schools will actually reach out by phone to um, either the parent themselves. They will have staff kids sit down with a script in their hands and they will call each parent that hasn't bought a book by the certain date. Um, I've also heard of staffs doing it where they have, you know, everybody gets everybody's cell phone number and they're texting out to kids, you know, hey, you're on this page, you know, don't forget your books, you know, um, buy your yearbook by July or I'm sorry, January 31st, uh, because otherwise you might miss out. Um, I, so I will say that that's probably the biggest thing to start with. I could keep going, but um, if you're a first year or, um, you know, with this, I would definitely say that's a key place to start. Um, the other thing I would say in just advising in general, um, another thing to start doing is to start networking with people 
that do the same thing. Um, we are so isolated in our buildings. I like to call it the island effect where um, I go to work every day and there's only one of me in, in my building. Um, I'm luck lucky to I get another advisor to collaborate with, but she doesn't advise the yearbook. She's, you know, doing her news program and broadcast. And, um, you know, that that's great. But, um, you know, still no one really gets what I do. Um, so I have um, been been very fortunate to find a huge group of friends within our community Um part of the reason why JEA is so, so near and dear to my heart. Um, and in, in my area alone, like in Tred's uh, uh, sales area, you know, we have a group of friends that um, we lean on each other and work in constant texting uh, connection with each other uh, throughout the days. Man, Facebook groups that have, um, you know, those advisor connections. Uh, man, take advantage of as much as you can um, there's so many free options out there for you as far as like just connecting with other advisors. Um, do it. And if you don't know who to contact, ask your rep. <laughs> They're going to know somebody who would be a really great connection for you to start with. And then I would say from there, attend a workshop, go to convention if you can. Um, you know, I realize like there's a lot of schools out there that have to pay for it on their own. Um, I once had to do that and I made sure that I went to convention on my own dime because man, the amount of stuff that you get out of it to take home to your kids um, and as much as your kids, you know, can, can do as well. It can really inspire you and leave you refreshed um, and hungry for more. And that's a really good place to start. So just, if you want to improve your program, that's where I would jump. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the rep. Okay. The humble rep. I was about to say, ah, and then you jumped right in with it. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I would be bold and say, I couldn't have done any of this without my reps. So, yes, the reps are a huge part of this. And I would say, even if you're an, I'll be bold, if you're a non-Jostens person right now, I'm sure you get something from your Jostens representative. Contact them. Ask them. You know, they got, we've got contacts all over the world, literally all over the world now. Uh, so absolutely use that resource because they're there to help you. So, Rebecca, I really appreciate you taking time today with lots of great advice. And, uh, and thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure. And thanks again to Rebecca. It's just some great advice, some great insights, some great foresight maybe about the importance of your yearbook to your entire school, about the importance of storytelling, which means everybody in your school has a story to tell. How many of those stories can you tell, not just in your book, but in other different ways? If you have a chance, check out our accompanying video called The Yearbooking Report on YouTube. Just search for yearbooking, only one thing comes up. And you'll see during the interview clip with Rebecca, there are some picture clips there. And you can see some of the examples of how they do some of their storytelling literally all throughout their school. It's not hard to do. It will get people's attention. It will let people know just how hard your yearbook staff really is working on their behalf. And then frankly, hopefully maybe more folks will think, you know what, I really do want to buy a yearbook. Let's go get one because it's that important. So a thank you again to Rebecca and then Maybe get together with your particular group, sit down and talk about it. Do some planning. How can you change up your efforts so that you're not just some secret anymore? 
you let people know through the year how important the yearbook is. And folks, thanks again for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast.